The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I know I haven't done an intro in a few weeks. Things have been a little crazy on my end. I had my break between semesters, which was actually school years for this break, and I'm officially a D3, a third-year dental student, talking to you now, and that's actually the theme of this week's episode, is my first week of clinic, which I just finished up um, the first week of May, and I'll be going into my second week when you're all listening to this. So let's get into a deep dive into my first three appointments, assisting our test cases, just all of the info I have to share about how our first week in clinic went and the prospects for the semester. All right, I'm excited to have a really chatty episode with you all. If you're interested in hearing kind of how dental school is going from my perspective now that we're transitioning from lectures and labs all day to patient care most of the week. And I'll let you know what most of the week really means. So the first day, Monday, May 2nd, we just had an orientation. So in the morning, we were in the sim lab working on the computers, doing some practice cases in Axiom, which is the patient software that we use. And then in the afternoon, we had Zoom orientation combined with the fourth year students. Half of that was kind of your clinic protocol, best practices, reminders of that sort of information. And then the second half was our implicit bias training through the DEI office. And Tuesday was really the first day clinic was open for the semester. And apparently I just felt like going in with a bang and I had an 8 a.m. and an 11 a.m. patient. We're only allowed to schedule three patients per week. So that was two of my three scheduled then and I assisted at two. So I was there eight to five in the clinic, which was honestly really fun and a great experience. And then in the afternoon, I led our Christian Dental Association Bible study after that appointment was done. And then I hopped on a Zoom call immediately after that for American Association for Women Dentists executive board meeting. At the beginning of the semester, things are just so busy. Every student org that I'm in needs to meet and plan things out and Usually we just had elections, so there's new people in leadership and they needed to kind of transition roles, so it was a very busy first week. But starting with my first appointment that Tuesday, of course I need to keep everything compliant, never sharing any patient information, so it's all going to be very vague, but this was a long-time patient at the school, so they were excited to come in and continue their care. Most of the patients that we get as third years are patients that are mostly in like a maintenance phase or don't have really any complex treatment planned. If anyone did have complex treatment plan, it would go to the D4 on our like family tree vertical pairing. So someone graduated, if you want to say D5, and they gave their patients to me and then a fourth year. They just kind of divided their patient pool that way. And I ended up with, I think, about 18 patients so far. And then I'm going to have a couple friends and family come in as well. And throughout the semester and throughout the years, we can put in requests for new patients. But pretty much everyone assigned to me doesn't really have much active needs. So they're just really exams and cleanings, maintenance. And if I notice during their exam, because some people are overdue for a few years, so they haven't really had a thorough exam to be diagnosed if there is anything that should be done. So 
there's a chance that as I'm bringing these patients in, they're going to end up having treatment needs like restorations and things of that nature. But the first patient, back to where I was originally talking, was overdue for their 0120, which is just a comprehensive annual exam. And I took some updated radiographs, went through the annual exam steps or comprehensive exam steps are the same for every patient, whether they're a new patient or a returning patient. So you do kind of an intro with them, see if they have any concerns, you go through their health history and have them sign for that. And then you make sure you're updating their medications, putting them in the electronic prescription system. It's called ERX. The state of Michigan kind of moved over to that mandated. So instead of our dental school having a listing of their medications and their doctor's office having a listing and them maybe not being the same, this way they're on one system and no matter what healthcare clinic or provider or type of healthcare they're seeking, it's all on one thing. So I think that's really great. But if a lot of the patients haven't been here in the past year, then none of their medications are into that system yet. So we're usually, with most patients, updating their medications and allergies into that electronic prescription system. And like I said, I took updated radiographs and looked at those and do the extra oral exam. So that's kind of your head and neck exam. And then the intraoral exam includes an oral cancer screening and tooth-by-tooth identification and diagnosis, really trying to see if I notice any... Um, active lesions, looking at, since these are returning patients to the school, sorry if you hear that train in the background, but since they are returning patients to the school, that just means that the provider would have already had indicated on the odontogram different restorations or extractions, root canals, bridges, really anything is already indicated on the odontogram as well as anything maybe planned or anything that we're observing. And like I said, Every patient that I got doesn't have any planned treatment. Like there's nothing actively that I need to be doing right now other than these exams and cleanings. Um, Hopefully in the next couple weeks I'll get assigned some more patients and have some more work to do. But you really want to check that what you see in their mouth is the same as what's marked on the odontogram. Like I saw in this patient some surfaces that were marked as observed, but I didn't see any lesion there I disagreed and then a lot of the lesions that could have been carious were all arrested and solid and I don't think they really needed to even be observed but I'll continue looking at that as I see this patient again for their six-month cleaning and everything so it was a healthy patient was able to proceed into the maintenance phase of treatment so just coming in for an annual exam and every six-month cleaning then the next patient was pretty similar another long-term patient at the school was overdue for an exam and a cleaning I finished with about 45 minutes left so it took me with all the checks with faculty and waiting and whatnot it took me like an hour and a half to do the exam um, for the second patient but I didn't feel like 45 minutes was enough time for me to do the cleaning just because as third years, we have to work with general dentistry, like restorative faculty for our exams, but our cleanings, we need to work with the perio faculty. So I would have had to use the request system, call over perio faculty, wait for them to get there, present the patient to them, do the cleaning, have the perio faculty check the cleaning. I probably would have missed some things, have to fix that, have to call them back to make sure I'm totally done, and then bring the restorative faculty back over to finish out my treatment and swipe me out and everything. So I just felt like I needed at least a full hour for that. So I'm bringing that patient back for a cleaning at my next available appointment. And then I assisted in the afternoon on a really interesting case 
very unfortunate case of an implant retained overdenture with insane amounts of bone loss, like full implant screws, visible, nearly bone loss, like to the mandible. It was, it was really, it was tough to see. Um, but it was interesting nonetheless. And it was a pretty quick appointment because unfortunately there's not much we can do in the undergrad clinic. We just made a referral for us to Perio to have them check it out. But I was able to stay for like an hour after that appointment and just chat with the fourth year that I was assisting and get some more advice for clinic. So that's been really great. The fourth years have been so helpful and willing to just spend their time talking to us, walking us through how to do things on the online systems, how to go about patient, different patient appointments, how to communicate with our PCCs, which are patient care coordinators. You'll probably hear me mention that a lot. Um, And that was Tuesday very full day. Um, I left at like 7 a.m. and I got back at 8 p.m. because I had those two meetings at school in the afternoon. And then Wednesdays in our schedule are lecture days, lecture and lab, and then same with Fridays. So we do still have a couple things we're doing in SimLab, even though we've moved on to be in the patient care clinics, because we are doing endodontics in SimLab and we're also doing an implants SimLab. We won't get to place any implants in actual patients at dental school, but we'll get to restore them. So placing the abutment tooth. And I'm going to kind of keep circling around, but next we'll talk about what the lecture outlook is for this semester of D3 year, what kind of classes we're taking and how the schedule breaks down for that. So we're in, I think, 15 or 16 credits with four of those being our like clinic credits just for meeting our requirements and everything, but the rest are lectures and labs. So 8 a.m. on Wednesdays, we have pediatrics, and then we have head and neck anatomy, which includes a lab component where we go to the med school cadaver lab, I think only once this semester though. And then we have an implants course. We actually have two implants courses, so it gets a little confusing. But one of them is like the history of implants or something. And then one of them is treatment planning and how to actually like place them. And then after that, we have a lecture for endo for an hour. And then we go into lab for three hours. And I'll jump ahead to Thursday. We have special care dentistry, and then we have fixed prosthodontics. Those are both only one hour, and then we have the rest of the day. So the 11 a.m. and the 2 p.m. and the 5 p.m. appointments that we could schedule patients. Thursdays is the only day that our clinic has a 5 p.m. session. And this whole like 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m. slot system is going to go away in the fall anyways. It'll just be broken up into a morning and an afternoon, and then you can schedule as many patients as you see kind of fit and fair in that time. So it'll be supposedly better. I don't really know. I've obviously never experienced that since I'm new to clinic anyways. And the whole time I've been a student here and assisting, it's been set up for these three appointments a day to kind of, in their mind, maximize patient appointments so people could make up for all the time missed when the school was shut down for COVID. And then on Fridays, we have cannot schedule patients at all so Wednesdays and Fridays we can't schedule patients which is tough but starting the end of June we can schedule on Fridays again at least so this lab is like accelerated 
but we actually have two lab classes on Fridays um, from 8 to 9 a.m. We have lecture for endo and then the lab again up until noon. We have a little lunch break and then we have an hour lecture for implants and then three hours of implant lab and that kind of takes us through the full week. So Mondays, Tuesdays, and most of Thursdays, we can have patient appointments, we can be assisting. We're required to do three appointments a week or limited to but expected to no more, no less than three, basically. And then we're supposed to assist three times per week as well. But we also have little rotations sprinkled in there that could be like a radiology rotation or a standardized patient interaction or I might have some for ortho, and those can take up like an entire half day. So you really like have to be there eight to five every day if you want to try to meet these requirements and not get a lower grade in your clinic class. So it's an adjustment because I used to be home quite often. So it's definitely different. But so far, I've just been really like excited about it. And it's giving me, it's making me feel energized. Like I get on a phone call with my boyfriend at the end of the day and he's like, okay, it's 9.30 PM. Like settle down. Why do you have all this energy? And I'm just so excited and happy. And there's just so much to do and so much to think about. And I'm so mentally stimulated all day that I just am flying high basically by the end of the day I know eventually it might get mundane or it might get draining but because it's also new it's exciting and I'm feeling really great I don't want to miss my last patient appointment though so the third one of the week was on Thursday I had those two classes I assisted and then I had a patient appointment and then I assisted again so I was there from I did a 7 a.m. workout class and went right to school. So I was up at like 6 a.m. And then my appointment that I was assisting got done at like 7.30. So from 7 a.m. to 7.30 at the school. So it was a very interesting day, very long day. But you'd think I would be exhausted, but I wasn't. I think it's the perfect amount so far of like challenge and break like most of the appointments I was able to have like 20 to 45 minutes in between them to kind of chill and eat and like do my own thing or if I felt like socializing there's always people kind of hanging out around certain parts of the school where I could go sit there and chat with people while I ate but if I would rather be low-key and alone there's places to sit and do that too so I felt like it was a really good balance but this appointment (laughs) it really wasn't too bad I do need to bring the patient back though It's unfortunate because I scheduled it for like the long appointment time, but the patient was 45 minutes late. They let me know they were going to be 45 minutes late, but it still is unfortunate because I wasn't able to get through the exam and the cleaning in that time because we had an hour less than we were supposed to. But I went through the exam, very complex treatment plan going on, like the patient's dealing with oral surgery clinics and the orthodontics clinics. So I'm really just here to make sure there's no active disease like active caries and active periodontal disease until the other treatments and especially clinics are done and then maybe there might be some aesthetic crowns that the patient wants done or something but like it's a very long process and they said that they're going to be in ortho treatment for three more years so I'm graduating in two years. If I have anything to say about it, I would like to be graduated. That's a goal of mine to meet all my requirements. So I probably won't even see the end of this patient's orthodontic treatment process. But it was interesting to 
interact with someone that's having a bit more of a complex treatment plan going on, cross-specialty and everything, and I will be bringing that patient back for a cleaning this coming week, hopefully, if everything goes well. And that's really everything that went down for my first week in clinic. I do want to go through with you guys the elective class that I'm taking as well as talk about our test cases because I kind of already explained how it works with our patient with our like appointment limits but the one last thing I'll add before we jump into the next segment is that we're limited to three per week but you can schedule a fourth per week if you wait until 24 hours before the appointment But it's tough because, like, who wants to not know if they actually have an appointment? Most patients don't. I've heard from some fourth years that they just tell the patient, yep, your appointment's Monday at 8, even though technically in our system we haven't put it in, it's not approved, but they don't even let the patient know that. I don't think I'm comfortable with that. I feel like I have to let the patient know this is the process. I have to let you know the day before if it's available. Otherwise, you might have to wait a month, two months, to get in because our schedule is so limited so that's how you can get a fourth appointment in a week and then you can also same day is what we call it I don't really know why it's called that but you can work with a fourth year student and do their treatment on their patient so it counts towards their appointments per week and not yours but you and the d4 both get credit So the stipulations there is that you have to get it approved by your pccs beforehand and of course you have to let the patient know what's going on, that the third year is providing treatment, the patient has to understand that and consent to it, and then the fourth year can mentor you through the procedure, and then you both get the full amount of credits together. So I really want to start doing some of those, especially with profies, because fourth years don't really want to be doing profies, but of course they need to when their hygiene students can't get to it. But I need all the practice I can get, so I would love to do their profies for them, so I'm hoping to get some of those in, and that can be an additional way to get credits, an additional appointment per week. So in theory, you could have four, five, six if you're doing a lot of same days, but usually I feel like a maximum people are going to have is like four or five appointments a week. But really, so far, my prospects is only three scheduled per week. I haven't found anyone that wants me to same day. Like I haven't really asked around a ton. I just threw it out there in some of our Slack pages. Like I would like to do it, but I haven't like texted individual people saying, where can I fit in in your schedule? I'm sure I will soon, but for now I'm just, just got through week one kind of thing. All right. I'm opening up my Google doc that I made. Like I made a whole folder called clinic and then I made a doc with, well, I guess a sheet, a Google sheet with a few tabs. One is D3 test cases, one is assists, one is for my patients, and one is for CEUs. I just kind of have the CEU one as like a reference point for me. I don't think I'm going to distinctly track them all myself because it's just unnecessary because you can look an axiom and it'll tell you. So there's no point in like super distinctly tracking them myself, I don't think. Now that we have access to like remote desktop, I can just log on and check whenever I want. I feel like before when they didn't have remote desktop and they could only look at Axiom inside the dental school, it was probably more useful, but now it just seems tedious and unnecessary. But I want to go through the test cases with you to kind of let you know what they're expecting us to do. 
So during D3 year, we have to do a health history test case through oral medicine. The requirements is that it's a new patient to the school, so it can't be someone that was like passed down to you from the graduating D4. And then they have to be ASA 2 or higher, so it can't be like my friend that's coming in that's like a healthy 20-year-old. It's not going to fly. If my parents were more unhealthy, that could work or something, but they're not. So it's probably going to be like a new patient to the school that I actually don't know. And then we have two test cases related to radiology that are also kind of related to oral medicine. So again, it needs to be a new patient to the school. It could be that same one from the health history case, but it doesn't have to be. They have to have at least one active carious lesion, and then you kind of take their radiographs and present their case to the faculty, and then you have a second session where after you've restored it, you have radiographs and you present the case to the faculty again. And then there's also a like third part to the health history just with presenting it to your faculty and obtaining the patient's consent. So it kind of all goes together in that way. Then we have restorative test cases for third year. We have a digital imaging of a quadrant, and then we also have a digital imaging of an intracoronal tooth preparation. So essentially a crown prep, or I guess it could be an inlay-onlay. And then we have to do a posterior restoration of one or more surfaces with a tooth that has an opposing contact. So basically a class one. And if you can't find a class one, you can do it as a class two. And then same thing, a posterior two or more surface test case. So a class two or like an MOD. And it has to have an interproximal contact to be restored as well as an opposing tooth. And then we also have to do an anterior class three or class four with a tooth that has adjacent contact. And then we also, under restorative, our last one for 30 years is a caries risk assessment that's patient-based. And that one's hard because they want you to have a patient that has six active lesions. So they need to be very poor off to be qualifying for this caries risk assessment. But that's the qualification. And currently, I do not know of any patients in my pool that have six carious lesions. But I haven't solved them all, I guess. But from what I can tell from their charts from previous appointments, no one has any lesions, especially not six active lesions. And then radiology, we have these quizzes on Canvas we have to do. We have to take uh, radiographs on Dexter the mannequin again on a couple rotations, which annoyed me at first, but it's with a different like radiograph sensors than what we use in clinic. So it's with the XCP like sensor and the Unigrip 360 sensor and then also phosphorus plates. And we have to do FMX as well as bite wings. Um, and... I was, like I said, annoyed, but then when I thought about it more, it's just great practice because we don't really use the 360 Unigrips or the phosphorus plates in clinic unless the patient has like really big tori and you can't fit the XCP rins in their mouth, then you might use a phosphorus plate, but we really don't use them other than that. And then on the Give Kids a Smile Day, we also took radiographs on the kiddos with phosphorus plates because they have their tiny mouths. So it's just really extra practice. And then as for ones on patients, we have to do three FMXs that we submit that are perfect quality. We have to submit four perfect quality sets of four bite wings. We have to, oh, five sets of bite wings. And then three perfect quality pans. And then we have to go through three radiology reading room rotations. And then also 
I mentioned it at the very beginning of this when I was talking about oral medicine test cases. The radiology one and two is also obviously part of radiology. And then prosthodontics, I think that these are to graduate from my understanding, not all as 30 years, but I could be wrong. So we have a diagnostic mounting test case. We have two of them going through, um, no, three of them, sorry, going through the first phase of the impressions you're graded on and everything. And then the second thing you're graded on is obviously the mounting on the actual articulator. So we have three of them, but the first one we do on each other in the like sim lab area. And then the other two would be on patients. So we have to do two patient-based diagnostic mounting test cases, which really wouldn't be all that tough. I might even do one on a patient I have coming in in June because they need two posterior crowns and it's a fractured cusp. So they're missing like a cusp of their tooth and I'd have to mount it and do a wax up in order to actually have a temp that looks like their previous tooth. So I might use that then. And then we have to do a fixed test case three times it looks like so they come in parts kind of as each appointment so it would be the preparation the restoration the impression and then the delivery um the temporary restoration impression delivery and that would be basically a crown but it could also be I guess if you're doing a fixed denture but I'm probably going to try to do all three on crown preps and then we have to do a complete denture impression and a complete denture delivery You also have to do a, that's four appointments, sorry. I'm like reading it as I'm explaining it to you. So temporary complete impression, temporary complete delivery, definitive complete impression, definitive complete delivery. And then we have to do a combo case impression and delivery. So combo case at our school means you have a complete upper denture and then a partial lower denture on the same patient. And then lastly, we have to do RPD, so temporary RPD impression, temporary RPD delivery, definitive RPD impression, definitive RPD delivery. In your combo case, you can't test case the complete denture and then also use it as your combo, so you need at least three patients here, one for the complete denture, one that needs a combo case, and then one for the RPD. And then lastly, we have perio. We only have four test cases, if I'm understanding it right, and that's between third and fourth year. They want you to do one each semester, but you could get them all done in advance. We're not allowed to test case any perio this semester, though. We have to wait till the fall. So one is on profi or perio maintenance, and that requires at least six discrete sites of identifiable calculus, subgingival or supergingival clinically discernible inflammation. Those are the two characteristics that you would need on the patient to be able to use them as a profi or perio maintenance test case. And then there's a perio records test case. And that says the patient is currently periodontally unstable. They have periodontis, periodontitis types two, three, or four. And the patient needs to be at least partially dentate in both arches. Then we have an SRP And that requires eight specific sites of significant, clearly detectable, and readily verifiable subgingival calculus selected for treatment on mesial, distal, facial, or lingual surfaces. At least four selected subgingival calculus sites are located on posterior teeth. 
And then the perio reevaluation test case is the last one. And that says the patient is assigned to the student who is taking the test case. The patient recently undergone perio treatment. The student who is taking the test case has completed majority of the perio treatment, which makes sense. It's pretty fair. I think that's everything I have though for first week of clinic, kind of letting you know how they're running things for us as our first semester, third years. I hope you thought this was interesting. If you're pre-dental, wondering how dental school works, at least again from my own experience at my program, or if you're also in dental school and just like to kind of compare and see how things are done in different programs, I always find that to be really interesting. Next week, we'll be back with a guest. So we have another awesome female dentist, Dr. Bree. She is a dentist down in Florida and a semi-recent grad, moved around a ton, had a few different associate roles already before she settled on her current one in Florida. But I think you guys will really enjoy the episode. She has a lot of great insight and one of those stories about not having everything work out so cut and dry just graduating undergrad and going to dental school because it might seem like that's the norm but there are plenty of people that have to reapply or take gap years or have different experiences non-traditional pathways of getting into dental school and she is a great example of that so I'm looking forward to all listening to that episode next week and I can't wait to chat with you then